Hey everyone, so there's a beautiful quote um, by, of course, Rilke that I think is apt for all of this healing. And, and it's this, let everything happen to you, beauty and terror. Just keep going. No feeling is final. And it's a beautiful quote because you know when you get into this healing process and you get deep into the horror the terror is the horror that you're going to see what you're going to feel and you think it's going to kill you and that'll all be over and you'll die and it it doesn't it won't it can't it will feel horrific but it won't kill you and as I move towards the final leg of this journey, which has been, you know, pretty challenging to say the least, um, I'm filled with dread at the horror of what I need to see. And so there is resistance in this last piece. There's also sadness and disappointment because I never wanted it to be what it was. So I had created so many stories to ensure I would never see or feel or know the truth about these people. That I think the final piece to see it all is just the utter disappointment and the actual having to see and feel the truth. The sadness the disappointment, and then sort of the death of it all. And it's like being in a Houdini's jacket if you've, you know, built contortions and connections and you've wired up around trauma. You don't want to know. I never wanted to know. I severed. I severed a whole continent load of shit because I couldn't accept that my parent was evil. I couldn't. I had to make him work. I mean, in the ceremonies, he's laughing while I'm being abused, laughing. How could a child hear that? So I made myself a martyr. He was the victim and I had to save them. That's what my little brain had to do in order to survive. I had to believe that they weren't who they really were. And I had convinced myself, but in order to do so, I would have to sacrifice my child. <coughs> I would have to make her wrong to acknowledge that this was all wrong, that this guy was evil. He had a choice. And he made that choice. His, cho his choice was to sell his own daughter. I couldn't, I wouldn't let myself see that also, I knew I wouldn't survive if I did. 
So I severed, and I hated on my child. I made her wrong to see the truth. I made it wrong for her to see him as the evil he really was, and joined him by making him the victim. He couldn't get the job, as if it was my responsibility. I was a child. He was a con man, but I made him the victim. In order to live in this horror, I would have to invent the story that wasn't the actual story that would help me connect and survive in this evil, in this web. I would have to be wrong. I would have to refuse the feelings, the needs that I had needed at the time. I was wrong, and they were right. They're in the breaker switch. They're in the huge theft of my soul. They're in the complete immersion into the dark. I never knew that, or I kept it a secret. I had protected them. I had agreed to go along with a little jaunt, and by so doing, there was a forgetting. There was a refusal. I left myself behind. I abandoned myself. The Shipibo were right. Of course, it's been so long since I've been connected to my child that I don't even know who she is. But she's there, waiting for me to come home. Waiting for me to have the courage to wake up and to see the truth of what was done. It was a betrayal. I had betrayed myself in that trauma, but I had to. I'd had no choice. I was too little, too scared. There was no one. It was just them. So the way we wake up from this trauma, and it was a theft and a trick, and it was a con. But as a child, you're only. You know, the only mission you're here is to survive. Where was I going to go? I had to make them right, but in order to make them right, I would have to sever not only my child, but all my feelings and the truth of where I really was. Until I forgot about that, I had so legitimized this evil and this hell, this darkness. That I had abandoned my my soul, my divinity, who I was. They became the victims. They needed to be saved, and I was the martyr that was going to save them. I was going to give up my life for this mission. But this was no mission of light. My own parent 
had submerged me into the dark, cackling whilst he did so, making himself the tough guy whilst he sold his own child. I had made myself a missionary of the dark and I had no idea. I'd forgotten. I was holding on to anything in this place, any breath, any, any attention, anything to make it work. Any tiny sliver of kindness I ballooned into sort of a Mother Teresa caring. There was none. It was all agenda. I was involved in somebody else's contrivances. He was a no one. He'd used my mother to get to her family. Left Spain, gone to London, was fucking around doing shit. She had two children. She got up and came. He didn't want her to come. No. He thought she'd never come. She was from a small village. She'd never show up. He'd already banged her. Two kids. Oh, her family will take care of her. And when she came, unexpectedly, it was a surprise. He was caught. Now what was he going to do? His game was up. So what did he do? Recruited his own daughter to make money. That is the truth. I didn't know the scheme. I had no idea. But the minute I was recruited... The minute I gave in, the minute he made that contract with me, my soul left. I wasn't wanted here. That was clear. But I couldn't acknowledge that in my brain. I couldn't make that my life. He couldn't be that evil. And so I turned him into a victim, as did my mother. And we all enabled this man. He hid behind us. He hid inside of us. We became the cocoon. But we had to sacrifice who we were to make him work. And it was all cooked in together, right? He was a schemer. He was a, you know, the evil cook that built all this. This is all about him. This is not about her or me. It was about him. But for it to work, we would have to succumb. We would have to refuse our needs and our feelings to make the monster work. And I was part of it. Everybody else was left out of this little cooking concoction. His little schemes. But I was full in. Every breath, everything I did was not for me. It was to embroider him, to fill his dysfunction, to build him the person he needed. I did not matter. I was a martyr and proud of it. I would marry someone I didn't want for him. 
find work that, you know, go to school and study what things I did not want to do for me. It was all to ensure his legacy. It's all to embroider him. It's again like bringing, you know, the legions go out to war to bring back the emperor his goodies. It was all wrong. It was all a trick in the dark. And the mechanism of my abandonment was a mechanism of survival in the dark. And my bubble machine or my PR machine that retransformed them, rebuilt them, reprojected them, again, was all about surviving in the dark. I'd forgotten. And that's the idea. We, we, we retranspose to forget, we sever to forget, to survive when we have no power. A theft, a trick, and the glue is terror. You can't see it, it happened early on. So it's already instilled in you. You've built according to the trauma. Again, I had no access to the origins. I had no idea what had happened. It was so deeply severed from me. It was so deeply hidden. It might as well have been on Mars. I had no clue, which again is a testament to the power of our minds to survive. Um, this medicine is a miracle. It literally took every piece of coding and wiring and disabled it. All the wiring that was alive, electrified that kept this whole composition in place. Each one had to be disabled and they were fiercely built together. They had more energetic glue than the, a star and that energetic glue was terror. The underlying force was terror. It knew I would never collapse that composition because it was held together with something which was greater than me. And it took the ayahuasca and her love and her healing and her daily unconditional love for me to take this journey of dismantling piece by piece by piece. Energetic entities, 3D holograms, visions, dreams, for her to put the whole teacup back together. It was nothing that I knew. I knew none of this. 
hey, I was a perfectly happy <laughs> doing everything I had to do person. Looked the part, spoke the part. Worked the part. With just an inkling of unease, which then got bigger. So what's interesting is after 13 half, I mean, again, I was, I might as well just be, I was another person. Um, after 13 and a half years of meditation, I had a huge, you know, energetic break. I can describe it just like a recoding, energetic recoding before even the ayahuasca showed up. And the very clear dream, which was so vivid, it was insane, was there's a, a monster in your attic you have to face and you're terrified of him. And that monster is the terror that I thought it was some horrible person or my father, but no, it was a terror issuing and the fear. It was a monster that ignited the fear that basically shut my body down, my whole being down. It was a breaker switch that shut my life force down. By him, by the abusers, it was the moment that I understood I was going to die. This horrible thing was happening to me. And it was my own parent who took me to the guillotine. That's when my soul left. And that was even before the ayahuasca. That was that was it. That's what and that's what I weren't that's all I face in these ceremonies is facing that, going into that, seeing what happened, everything. It was like a lot a huge continent of sewage inside of me that I had no access to. And it was a very foundation of my life. I had no idea, no clue. She's collapsed all of me, my identities, my defense mechanisms, my strategies, my stories. There's nothing to invent. I had to keep inventing everything because if you're on hot coals and at any moment you're going to fall into that hole and see the truth, you're going to be building identities and stories over and over and over and over. I literally had my own story inventing room in my system. But the one thing I couldn't see was what I had to see. All my strategies for not seeing the truth had to be shut down one at a time. Coated up with a thousand different electrified circuits. It had to be shut down. And every time each one of them shuts down is the death of you the death of all your defense mechanisms. And it's terrifying. And that's why it's terrifying now, because at the end of this journey is the final mechanism. Nothing can be invented. It's been seen. 
It was him. That cruel, evil, uncaring con man. That's what he really was. And we all agreed to not see that. It's like the king without, what are the, without any clothes. We all agreed to refuse the truth of this evil. My mother made stories, enabled, invented. She wasn't sent out to be sexually abused. I was. So she was an enabler of him. So what was I going to do? If I had to survive, these are the only two people. I had to make it work by also refusing the truth of this evil. But unfortunately, I had no tools other than my own imagination and evolution. God knows how I severed this off and recreated him. He was a victim, not me. Look what the world had done to him. His mother died when he was young. Oh, he has to work with her brothers. Oh, that's terrible. They're against him. Everybody's bad, but not him. Insane. So once you, you go through all of this dismantling to get to, I mean, physically, energetically, everything, your whole system is collapsed. Piece by piece. Then here you are. It's right in your face. The thing that you've, you know, woven a thousand webs around and you've smothered in 10,000 Michelin star sources. There it is. Ugly, vile, wretched, putrid the trickster here he is your whole system knows every cell in your body knows not one ounce of you can reinvent them it's leaked into everything and that's where the freedom starts you've gotten your power back You've had the courage to go in and to face him, to face the dragon. The man that ambushed me and used me. No longer the victim. Now the fire-roaring, putrid trickster, ugly, rotting and vile. I see who you are. So begins the freedom. Because now you can actually reconnect to the soul that they stole. They're keeping your soul hostage as long as you refuse to face the truth. As long as you remain in its shadow, as long as you don't take up arms for yourself and for your life and for your soul. 
And the clever trick here was when he wiped out my child, I wiped her out too. I followed suit. He refused her and I refused her. I had to come to the point where I could finally even connect to her again. Whether it was sending gifts to my niece, whether I was looking at children on the street, I was trying to find her somewhere. She was hidden in a closet somewhere. My childhood was wiped out by this evil. I don't want childhood, was his declaration. It's a nuisance. I need it only to be used for my ends. I don't give a shit about you. I couldn't believe that. But again, I had to reconnect with the feelings of my child, which was severed. So I feel like I've been in the emergency room of the universe for the last six years. To dig deep, deep, deep into this trauma, into this event, into this breaker switch, to disinter my soul that had been buried, tricked. You know, when they told me, like, Maria, you were tricked, I'm like, what do you mean I was tricked? I'm, I'm a perfectly happy person. <laughs> I was like, no. I was. By both of them. So, the task is to go in there and go through the swamp. Even if you think you, you know, you're all pristine and lovely, you have to go through the swamp to go uncover the swamp, the trauma, the events, the people, the history. I mean, he conned my mother and then conned me. I had no idea. I had to be shown everything. And then to face it and say, no, I'm done. Yeah, I want to see everything. I want to see everything. And I'm willing to die. And I think my little girl didn't want to give up the hope of that this person really wasn't what he was. She didn't want to know. She couldn't bear the thought that her own parent was this evil, this cruel, this uncaring, this vile. She just wanted the hope. She wanted to separate that out and have her own fantasy of life, that it was really good, that life was good, that this didn't really exist, that the evil didn't exist, but it does. I think that's the infantilized part of my system was, I wanna believe in, you know, like childhood innocence and fairies and stories and, you know, innocence. I didn't want this to, it just wiped out my childhood. It wiped out that innocence. It was just evil, just catastrophic evil just chucked at me. And I didn't, I, I wanted to have, I, you, you can't face that much evil when you're so little. I was desperate to have my little piece of innocence, my fairy tale, not just wiped out by this evil. And so it's taken a long time for me to really see it, understand it in every cell of my body, 
because I just didn't want it to be what it was. So in a way, I've had to bring my own, you know, sweetness and tenderness to my little girl myself, like a mother of hers, to give her her, like, innocence back, to give her her sweetness back. That's what we expect as children. We need a time of innocence and sweetness and love and safety and care, not for evil to show up and just wipe it out. I think that's why I severed, refused it. I couldn't bear the notion of the world just being black. And the, you know, so I built a tremendous fantasy and story around it so I would never fall into its grip. But I already had, my soul had left. So... The ayahuasca had to, she showed me two screams, black and pure black, and then the, the, you know, the, the Indians, they came to get me as parents. They came to give me my innocence back, to give me my childhood back, to be loved as a child. That's it. It was like a huge chunk of me just sunk. The most important part of our life, which is our childhood, just gone. And in a way, the ayahuasca gave it to me back. You know, in these ceremonies, I was a little kid. I was being tickled my toes. I was being taken care of by them. They were my parents. They were the parents I never had. They gave me the sweetness and the innocence and the love. It's a miracle. So that I could be restored. So I think my hope could be restored in life. They gave it to me. And with that, they gave me the courage to go in and to face this, to see it, to dismantle it, to have these entities come through me and to sit with them, to be courageous enough to sit with them. I, they gave me the ability to believe in life again, to believe in life again, because they gave me the piece of me that was wiped out, which is my innocence. They gave me parents they gave me unconditional love they gave me the love of the universe they gave me a family i never had parents i never had and i'd lost faith it's like i a whole chunk of my life was missing it was just splattered by evil I mean, there's no words of the gratitude towards this medicine, to its power, to its unconditional love. And I made a commitment to the medicine and to myself for it to help continue to guide me and heal me and protect me and bring me home. This has been a very difficult thing to undergo, you know, this seeing of the truth. It's been extraordinarily difficult. I fought it a lot at the beginning. I just couldn't bear to acknowledge the truth of who they were. I couldn't bear it. And 
it's interesting because in the last ceremony, I basically confronted it and showed my father selling me. But there was still more. And there was, you know, there was just fires all around me. And it was, burn the past, there's nothing, there's nothing there for you, Maria. Nothing. It's like, you know, I kept going to this empty well, hoping there was water. And there was nothing. But I kept going there. I was never going to get parents. They never existed. A parent that sells their own child, that's not a parent. That's evil. So where was I going to get parents to help me heal this? I needed parents to help me heal. And the medicine showed up as my parents. And they restored my childhood. They restored love and safety and something to believe in and someone that was love and something that was love and that was here for me. And by so restoring my childhood, they restored my courage to go in and face the truth of what he had done to me. They restitched back my childhood and gave me hope again in the universe and in love. And by restoring my childhood and the tenderness and sweetness that comes with that, so I reconnected with my own child who was hidden, locked away in a drawer, in a closet, her childhood just paralyzed. They restored my childhood. My child, they loved her, I loved her, I reconnected. And by reconnecting with my child and seeing what he had done, I was able to confront him finally because I had parents that had returned my childhood to me. It's insane. This medicine is insane. All happening in some other dimension, but affecting this every day. So... My gratitude is eternal. This medicine is miraculous. I would never have probed. I would, who knows? No, I don't even know where I'd be right now, under a bridge with a needle. Um, it was like a huge chunk of me had been stolen, taken. I was like crippled. And I was bonded with the man who crippled me. So I needed something for the outside to come back and give me movement in my arms and legs so I could begin to move again and finally distance myself from the person that was holding me hostage. And it made me accept that that was acceptable, that it was acceptable for him, for me to have no childhood that it was wrong for me to want to be a child and acceptable for him to send me out to be sexually abused. That fucking cunt. I had to make that okay. I had to legitimize that. And accept living without the tenderness and love of a parent. That it was wrong for me to want to be a child. There was something wrong. That was a trick, right? So I had to go in and face these forces of the dark. 
And I went in with this great medicine, with this great Shapibo, with the great healers to help me get there, to help me see. And as all the jigsaw is put back together, and I say that over God knows how many years now, everything's being put back together. She, thought, she showed me in a ceremony where my hand was just going round and round. It was just like, we're going to make you whole, Maria. She's been slowly me restitching me back to the universe. You're one in this threaded, magnificent flow of the universe, and then someone cuts you out of that huge web, which is love. And you're paralyzed. No childhood, no self. Um, so it's a slow surface. Your machine room that, or your armor no longer fits, you're completely exposed, everything's been shown. The truth you never wanted to be seen, to see is now exposed. It's like looking at the wreckage of a fucking war. Here it is. This is all the truth right in front of you. And you're free. You're free. Because all of that was buried inside of you. The shit that I've seen, the horror I had repressed, it was all inside of me. God knows if it would have leaked into my system, become some horrible disease, right? To live outside the universe. So it's sitting there. It's ugly. The stench of it is vile. There's sadness. There's disappointment. But my little girl is free. Who she is, I don't know. We've never, I've never known her needs and desires because it was overtaken by this evil. So now I have to sit and listen to that. You can listen finally to your heart. There's nothing to invent, no strategies, no defense mechanisms. And you can feel and you can challenge and you can say, I won't accept that. I do not accept that. That's a delicious part of this power. It's like, no, you're here. No, I won't accept that person like this. I won't accept that. doesn't mean they have to change. It means I don't have to be around them. I'm here. This whole game, this trick is over. So as Rilke says, you know, you just have to keep, nothing stays, right? There's no, nothing, you know, let everything happen to you. Beauty and terror, just keep going. No feeling is final.
Yeah. So tremendous journey. <sighs> tremendous. Loss, gain, I don't know. There's nothing to lose or gain. We're all going to die at some point and it doesn't really matter. It really is about the journey. Why it happened, I don't know. Whatever. But I think the richness is that we continue to blossom and grow and nothing really ends and we go through things and we, you know, surface them. We surface our trauma. We face our trauma. It cannot kill us, paralyze us eternally if we face it. Whatever ally we bring in to face it, we can do it. It's available to us. It's, it's hallelujah. This medicine is here. This incredible medicine. I am forever grateful to this insane medicine. I don't know, I'm sure there's going to be much more that's coming up. I have no idea, but today... As the sewer sits in front of me and I understand so deeply this trick, the exposure of this evil and the victory of having faced it. And I'm sure there's more to see. It really feels like a soldier, you know, overlooking the conquest of evil. It's like in the Colosseum, as the crowds roar, you know, evil lies on the ground. This was a huge, huge battle with the evil. It was a light, it was a battle of the light against the dark. And the dark was very clever. Very, very clever. Okay, bye.